Your ass is like a bony. Like a boner? A boner, probably, yeah. Your <laughs> ass is I'm not like sure. a boner. <laughs> that doesn't make sense either. I don't know. Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formicella. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to learn from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical, sexy new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. Welcome, everyone, to a very special bonus episode of the show. Today, we are having a happy hour episode, and this is something that I wanted to do from the very beginning of being a podcaster, and that is me and my friends are going to watch something that has to do with dating and breakups. We are going to get tipsy and talk about the good, the bad, the really weird, and everything in between. Today, or this week rather, it's a Friends with Benefits week here on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to the episode that dropped on Wednesday, you can. I would really love it if you would. We record. I recorded an episode with my friend Laura all about just the concept of Friends with Benefits. And when I met these lovely friends here who had both seen the movie and thought it had some interesting um, aspects to it, I decided this would be a great time to revive the happy hour episode. Today, we're going to be getting tipsy and talking shit about the movie Friends with Benefits. I cannot wait to get into this. So let me introduce my friends. I've got two Denverites here with me, and I'm super stoked about it. Um, mm -hmm. Desi, let's start with you. Tell us who you are, what you would rate the movie on a scale of one to 10, and what you are drinking. All right. So, hi, beautiful people. <laughs> Desi here. You can recognize me from my accent. Uh, you can never ever mistake my voice. For that is true. <laughs> but, but, want to uh, tell everyone where your accent comes from? So, the accent comes from Southeastern Europe, Bulgarian with some notion of Italian and Greek. Um, when I've done these episodes before, I have had people tell me that they couldn't tell the difference between my voice and the friend I was recording with. And I don't think that's going to be an issue tonight. No, let's say this. My thick Bulgarian accent is, is here. It's here to stay and it's been here for a while. Uh, hell yeah. 30 years and uh, hell yeah, of course. Yep. And that's me. Uh, that's how I sound. What did you think? What would you rate the movie on a scale of one to 10? So the movie carried the basic, you know, content for the time that it was made. The <laughs> 2000, okay. You know, kind of like, ah, millennials living in a city. We are so cool. We are so uh, technological. Totally. We're going to cover that. 
And uh, the other thing is like, we can work an iPad or something like this. I was watching and I was like, all right. So, you know, pretty much that's what it is. The typical love story, you know, the two city kids, the successful college brats, they're like trying to make it in life and... You know, the whole drunken scenes and the little... Well, okay, yeah. okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Just getting into Tell it. Tell us your rating and what you're drinking. We're going to get into... <laughs> I would say... Uh, because of Woody Harrelson, and he's amazing. And because... Even when they made a joke of him through this whole movie setup, I'd say I'll give it like six or seven. Okay. Like um, movie. It's not what I was expecting. And what are you drinking tonight, girl? Hey, hey. So I'm drinking some really good cap and I'm just amazed by the quality of it. So, <laughs> All right. I think you were the perfect one to ask to do this happy hour episode with me. And Brian, I think you were perfect as well. I think you're going to bring some great insights. Plus, you were actually the one at our meetup who had brought this yeah, film yeah. up. Yes. It was your idea. This originated I definitely, with you. Yeah, I did not expect this. I, so so we met at this, this meetup called What's Next? Kind of mm -hmm. trying to figure out like whatever things are happening in our lives, or issues happening, like what steps we want to take on next. And then as we were chatting at the bar, and suddenly, whatever the reason, we just came up with like talking about movies. I was like, oh, I just watched this Friends with Benefits movie. At the same time, Janice mentioned about, oh, I have a hot podcast that I'm going to be talking about Friends with Benefits. Do you guys mm -hmm. want to join this happy hour episode together? <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Interest interesting. That's what hey, I you know what? I to. go with my gut. We were having a great yeah. chat about it. So, so I was like, okay. And, here we are. <laughs> and yes, here we are. Um, so I would say Denver right as well. Lived, in, lived here for like a year or two, almost two years now. Enjoying life here, myself, kind of do landscape design related stuff. And yeah, drink wise, Yay. I would say I do have here, I can show you guys. So it's yeah. a chocolatini. Um, mm -hmm. It's two parts of the word the double chocolate liquor, just right here. I love the bottle, the design of this bottle. Oh, it's just cool, super Brian. nice. And then a one part of uh, Chopin vodka. So, so it's easy and what, oh, is it It's tasty? super easy. It is, oh, it's, it's, cool. it's really creamy. So adding that Chopin vodka helps kind of dilute that creaminess because it's super creamy. But then it's like mixing the two together is just a perfect texture, like a creamy decadent texture. And then once you drink it, it's like a dessert type of feeling. And mm -hmm. I think this would be a real it. crowd pleaser. Anyone who likes to entertain out there, it's two ingredients. Mm -hmm. And what <clears throat> rating rate the movie? It, it depends on audience view of like if they see it, if they want to get a good laughter out of this, I would say maybe an eight out of 10. If they actually want to understand what Friends with Benefits is actually about, I would give it like a four out of 10. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's very realistic yes, how it's you. actually like. But if it's like if people just want some laughter on a Friday night, I would hold, totally recommend it. And I would say if you want something cringeworthy on a Friday night, I would possibly recommend it. Um, I'm Janice Formicella. I'm the host of this podcast, and I also live in Denver. I, ooh, what I'm drinking tonight is a French 75. So I often, when I do these episodes, like to pick a cocktail that has something to do with the theme. For instance, mm -hmm. I did a chocolate cocktail when I did the Valentine's Day episode. This movie didn't really help me in that regard. I don't know. There was nothing that stood out. And so I thought to myself, what could be friends with benefits? Like, what is something that I really like to drink that I could mix with something else? I'm a gin girl enthusiastically and so i thought french 75 
mixing gin with bubbles. So, and this is a makeshift. I don't have much bar equipment at my house. It is one cube of sugar, one ounce of gin topped off with bubbles. And this is meant to be a lemon a lemon twist. I uh, don't know how to do that. So there's just some chunks of uh, lemons peel in here. Visually, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. I would call it, if you ever have some people over, it's again, such a crowd pleaser. It's so mm-hmm. tasty, so refreshing. And it's my friend with a benefit. Um, yep. As far as the movie goes, I really had a hard time. I think it sucks. Um, I think it's going to be fun to talk about. I'm a solid three for mm. 3.5. So with that, let's get into it. Before we really get this off the ground, I wanted to give a little info about the movie. It was made in the year 2011, or that's when it dropped. It stars Mila or Mia. Mila? Mila Kunis and I'm not like a celebrity person. Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. And randomly and weirdly, Woody Harrelson and one of the worst roles I've seen him in, maybe second worst. What did they it was so awful what they did with his character, especially having <laughs> him not be like the yeah. token gay guy. It was so offensive. And yeah. Sean White. <laughs> What the hell? Okay, we're going to get to that. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 69% out of 170 reviews with a 6.2 average. A lot of people said in the reviews that I read that the actors had great chemistry. I disagree wholeheartedly. I thought they they were horrible together. I think people just said that because they happened to be together in real life. IMDb gives the summary, a young man and woman decided to take their friendship to the next level without becoming a couple, but soon discover that adding sex only leads to complications. Well, it certainly did with them. And I thought this was hilarious. Okay. Okay, yeah. I did not really, I don't go on IMDb very much, and I did not realize that they have tags for the types of movies. Okay. The the five top The five top tags for this movie are (laughs) female rear nudity, oral sex, (laughs) below job, (laughs) no panties, (laughs) and orgasm. Which was a really awkward orgasm, I would say. (laughs) The one of the most awkward Awkward orgasm should be. (laughs) All right. So um, we've given a little summary. Let's get into it. The movie starts out with the two. We're thinking that they're actually a couple getting into a little spat, but actually they're on other sides of the country. L.A. and New York. Ooh, polar opposites, right? And they are each about to go through a breakup. I have to say, this was probably my favorite scene of the movie, or the only thing I really appreciated, is when Justin Timberlake's girlfriend says to him, it isn't you, it's me. (laughs) And I don't like you anymore. (laughs) I love that reaction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can stand him. So she put it like very realistically to me. Mm-hmm. Why can't you stand him? I just don't like the poodle type. He's a younger guy there and that doesn't possess any soft skill. But at the same time, he's like progressively going up and up and up. I thought that they portrayed him as quite personable. I didn't uh, feel that. Maybe because I'm biased. It, it just seems so made up. Like, and 
No. Brian, what did you think of Justin Timberlake overall in the film? Overall, I think the first like couple times I watched it, like chemistry wise with Mila Kunis, at first I thought it was really good. And then as I started noticing more of the details, I could tell it's maybe the acting part of it that could have been more refined. It feel like, and also I guess it made it less realistic when there's so many punchlines, which made it hilarious, but less realistic. It's like, this just doesn't seem to really happen in real life. So in some ways it feels like, okay, it just feels pretty cinematic, even though they're, they're trying to make it script wise, trying to make it sound like they're super. Nobody talks like this. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really just like banter first... without any breath, even. <laughs> It's like two minutes in seeing Mila Kunis on the baggage carousel and then suddenly the chemistry just sparked right there when she was the one like the head counter trying to kind of get him convinced to taking this job as an art director. And then suddenly the two just right away formed this chemistry from a professional standpoint. I don't know. It just it just seemed like the, the script kind of forced it in a way to make them form this chemistry this soon. Um, it's not that it won't happen in real life. It's just in some ways made me feel less realistic about it. it just, they didn't like, even have small talk. They just get into the cab and are just ribbing each other yeah. just instantly. Yeah, yeah, I thought the airport scene was just stupid. You know, she's like running on the what do you yeah. the baggage claim thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just cheesy from the from the get go. So they get into the cab. They're riffing. Yeah. They're ribbing each other. They're yeah having this great chemistry where they can't stop talking. And then they get into L.A., New York, and Mila is going to convince Justin to move there. She's not going to sell him on the job. She's going to sell him on New York. And then they go off on and off each other comparing the two cities that was just annoying they say the stupidest thing oh new york is hot but it's a different hot oh well and also like i just remembered it where milo was saying i'm not going to sell you on the job i'm going to sell you on new york and he was like i don't really want to take this job but then she's trying to sell him on new york and say i'm not going to show you all the bullshit touristy stuff i'm going to show you the real new york that you don't see on seinfeld and then he and then she takes him on Brooklyn Bridge and then takes him on she takes him on Times Square and all exactly. the like the cliche stuff. I was like, okay. And then in the end, that's what makes Dylan take this job. I was like, I, I get it. There's the flash mob. I feel like as an, an art director, you probably should know what a flash mob is. Which at the time he had no idea what a flash mob is. Like, what is this? I was also like, also okay. in 2011, that was the trendiest shit at that time. It is like it's around like early 2000s stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, didn't really know what it is. But then all like the cliche stuff that he sees and then he decides this is the job I want to take. I'm in. And I liked <laughs> when they were doing the flash mob, how Mila like kind of knew it. Like, you know, as if she goes and does it. And I also thought, so is this a group of people who just get together once a week to do this? I don't know. What did you think about her going into the parking garage and just going up into this random spot to, br to bring him? I thought that was really weird as well. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know, because... I've never really thought that much of the contrast between L.A. and New York, but there was like the same night where Mila Kunis as the New Yorkers, like breaking all the rules, tra crossing the traffic light, just crossing over the the entrance and all that. And then Justin Timberlake is like the one following all the rules and all that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's like that was an interesting take for me. And mm -hmm. then, yeah, her taking him up the first I think that was the first night right after the interview yes. that they met each other. And Mila Kunis has never taken anyone else onto the rooftop so that was like just 
yeah, that's totally. interesting. And how and somehow that turns into a friends with benefits situation when the chemistry just sparks so early on. Right. But of so, course, neither one of them are. Tri- yeah, I, I guess they like were attracted to each other. That's true. Yeah, you're uh, no, but it's stupid. And yeah, why is she bringing this guy up? She's been a recruiter for a while, but this is the guy she decides to take up into the skyscraper. That's that's where I feel like parts of this, like the script part of it is like. It's it's hard to fully connect with it. Like, why specifically Justin Timberlake is the one? But yeah, that's the part where I feel like the chemistry kind of just went super fast. It felt natural, but at the same time, not so natural. This yeah. is just it was interesting that rooftop scene. I didn't see any chemistry. Uh, it was honestly like pardon my language, but uh, from the right from the get go, it looks like a forest mainstream. I'm biased about it because I don't not like her character in general. I couldn't stand her that 70s show either. And oh, okay. Like <laughs> and okay. Uh, also him maybe coming from a cheesy boy band, mm. you know, with that uh, puro get up. I just can't get over that either. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't see any chemistry and all this fake talk and all these like orchestrated moves and behaviors. Mm-hmm. I think by chemistry, like, some people mean that they were just talking nonstop maybe. Nothing attracted me to any of the conversations. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was like another millennium movie. And there were so many mm. of these during the 2000s that it was like a sickening trend. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. So this is where we first encounter Sean White. Why is he in this movie? <laughs> I, I actually really love that part of it. I don't know why, because it's like... Because if people don't if if people don't know who Sean White is, he's a real he's a former American professional snowboarder and skateboarder, and he's known to be a really really nice person. So then in the movie, when you have basically it was a scene where Mila Kunis was having dinner with Justin Timberlake, and then suddenly Sean White bumped into her, and then suddenly he sees Justin Timberlake, and like he was super nice to Mila Kunis, and once he sees JT, he was like. And he just started lashing out, just like, like one more word. And he I'll, says he's like going like, to kill him or something. Or something like that. And, uh, like, it was just so hilarious because I love how they just com- portrayed him as the complete opposite in the movie. And in real life, he's like a really nice person. And then in the movies, like just trashing every time he sees Justin Timberlake is just lashing yeah. out. If it was during his heyday, I guess some of his fans would have thought that that was hilarious. I would mm-hmm. say perhaps it didn't age very well because it's not like he's super in the spotlight now and so for me it just felt so weird that could be yeah it could be a timeline issue because maybe at the time it worked well but then nowadays since he's already not in the field yeah for people who don't know who he is now which probably many don't the younger ones don't then they won't really get it exactly yeah. and if you had no idea who he what he is you would really really not get it because he just randomly he's just he randomly shows up he acts like a mm-hmm. psychopath and then he goes and he's gonna make a hilarious appearance at the end of the movie which we'll definitely talk about um desi did you know who sean white was i've seen sean white in person Ooh, oh Alice. really yes please. Yeah, sorry. yeah uh on a snowboarding trip in aspen many many months ago but he wasn't there like to compete or anything. It was like a private visit. And uh, he does look like a super nice guy. And he looks like better with short hair. I yeah, there was kind of a carrot top thing going on that really threw me off, to be honest. Does anyone know what yeah. Sean White is doing today? He's married. No okay. Okay. <laughs> He's happy. And, uh, He's like married it. and happy. We're glad for you, Sean. There you go. 
Let's go on to the scene where JT is the boss and he gets his apartment and then he goes and meets his staff. What I thought was annoying is that he says the door is always open and he goes over and just like holds the door in two hands and just somehow rips it out with no effort at all. The door from the hinges. <laughs> it's like the hinges weren't even there. It's just like, it's already set. It's, all the staff has taken the hinges off. It's like, oh, oh my okay. God, it was staged. Like, it has to be staged. Like, how do you just take the door in two seconds? So he I talked see. to the staff ahead of time, maybe his assistant who we never see and said he's going to do this really cool thing. So take the hinges off the door and then I'm going to tell them the doors are open. <laughs> That's probably what happened. And of course, that wouldn't be on a scene in the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so stupid. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what Desi is um, really waiting for. Let's talk about Woody Harrelson and how horrible this whole thing was. Who wants to go first? Woody Harrelson. I love his comments, not just the funny ones or the whatever. It's just like, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, Started loving it mainly when maybe like the second scene with him, he was looking at Sean White's poster and he mentioned something. He has a nice of kumquat. I was like, this is an interesting comparison for somebody's ass. Those kumquats are tiny. It's the shape. I mean, they're bouncy, but still, though, it's like a super tiny. I mean, you know how usually, like, you always think about the peach or like even apple or something. Well, kumquat. I also thought it was weird how hypersexual they made him. It's like the other comment that like literally floored me. I think that's why I continue watching the movie was like he's talking about uh, Obama's ears. Yeah, like an elephant's ear. <laughs> I'm, I'm attracted to Obama. Okay, I was just going to say, over Sean White and Barack Obama and winning a sexy contest? Obama all the way. I agree with you. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I will get down. I don't know. I feel like like they were trying to make Woody Harrison like the gay man. And eventually it just feels like the more I... Because every time Woody Harrison shows up, Justin Timberlake is right by him. It's like always the two together. So like every time he's trying to portray himself as the gay man, it just makes me more and more convinced that JT is actually the guy who's the gay man. I don't know. It's like there's nothing gay about Woody Harrison, but then it's like (laughs) comparing, contrasting him who's trying to be gay to JT, then it's like, oh, maybe JT is gay. Right. Well, and Woody Harrelson thought that he was. Yeah, I guess. So that's that's one thing that stood out. and, And it just... And there's one there's one sentiment, I think, where he was saying, and I wonder what you guys think, but he was like, it's when you really meet like a girl or actually in love with rather than sex, yes. like it's not about the Friday nights you want to spend time with, but it's about yes. every Saturday night they want to spend time with. For me, I kind of side with JT's response. It's like, wow, every Saturday night for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's just, I feel like people nowadays, because... Like people nowadays live forever. It's like in their 80s or like even 90s. <laughs> like throughout time, and and also with just how fast paced the world is. Like you're living through different situations, you're evolving in many ways. Like to have to just imagine yourself being with a partner throughout the rest of your life and and spending time every Saturday. It's like it almost sounds a bit overwhelming. And you can still love the person, but for people like me, for example, who needs like a lot of space, but at the same time you want that connection with this person, you really love them. But just that idea of spending like consistently every Saturday night. I don't know what you guys feel about that. <laughs> it's just well, different from how things were in the past. Mm-hmm. 
I rarely have been booty calling or being booty called on Saturday. Usually it's a week thing. So I kind of mm-hmm. got it like, it's not the Friday night girl. It's the Saturday, like a whole mm-hmm. day girl, you know, which means like more of a commitment. It doesn't have to be serious, but it's not like as the Friday night pop off type of thing, you know, yes. and let's get it on type of thing. But you're right though. Um, and I sent him like, I completely agree with what you say. I crave connection, but I crave my own space too. Well, and that's, I mean, it's kind of an outdated way of seeking relationships. I mean, there's many, mm-hmm. many models of, of doing things. Well, what I think this was meant to highlight is how scared of commitment these two people are and how fucked up they are, which I'm sorry, there was not really much indication of that. We're going to get into it. And yes, just showing that they can't possibly be attracted to each other because both of them have just been burned so much. I didn't appreciate Woody Harrelson's character at all. I thought it was offensive that he was the one gay character. And instead of really having anything wise or anything meaningful to say, it was just like one weird joke after another. I didn't really like how every time and i counted every time that they showed him on camera he made some sort of weird sexual comment about just needing ass needing sex wanting to go get laid and also i have to say it just got old after a while it just wasn't funny anymore so also like i wanted to mention that woody harrison like was portrayed like a weirdo because the way they dressed him did you see the flare jeans and the little blue jacket? And like, he seemed like a, the little man that's like very jumpy and inhaled a bunch of helium through the whole movie. You know, that's how I saw him. Like, I was like, me, 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 me. looking whack because I've never seen anybody wear flare jeans like this. Yeah, I just wish he had more. Like the most of the things he said, like the one I just said, probably was the one closest to something that people can actually think about. The rest were just like bullshit stuff. And it's just just meant to create some type of kind of supposed to be a hilarious segment, but it's just like nothing really valuable from it. And from his character, who he is. Yeah, I, I wish it was a bit more sick, like substance to that. Yeah, it didn't carry the plot at all. It was just so yeah. random. Every time he just popped it was random. into the scene or popped mm-hmm. on on camera, it was just strange. I don't, I don't know. And like, who wrote his lines? It, I, I thought it was kind of a missed opportunity. I know that he was supposed to be there for all of the the punchlines and to make it funny, but I just didn't think it landed very well. So we meet Woody Harrelson's character. Somehow Mila and Justin decide we should be friends. You know, we need to get you out there. Mila starts taking him everywhere and they have this little montage of him meeting all her friends. And what stood out to me is we never saw any of her friends ever again. I would, yeah, I guess in that sense, wish there was more incorporation of like their friends and how like the chemistry and continuing with those types of friendships, because it seemed like it turned out really well that night. And then suddenly those (laughs) friends were just all vanished and went somewhere else out of New York. It's like, you don't see them anymore. Those friends could have played a bit more of the part, I think, later on in the movie, because they with the chemistry they have, I feel like, yeah, it's like, where did all they, they all of them go after just one night? And they could have been bouncing <clears throat> the ideas off of their friends rather than just her mom, which we're going to get to. I'm seeing a weird aspect here of the movie, too. It's portraying friends with benefits. I've been there, done this quite a few times. And um, mm-hmm. the whole movie kind of tried to make it like a romantic oriented couple. 
and friends with benefits have nothing to do with that. There's no romance <laughs> in friends with benefits. So I was like, are you trying to make this too? Like, you know, the whole sleazy, like the whole, like, uh, kind of sweetened, like, oh, you belong to me, I belong to you. You start like friends, you'll be together everywhere. And it's like, everything was going so fast. I mean, I never get close to anybody like that fast. Mm-hmm. Especially somebody I'm working with. So it was like bullshit after bullshit. Yeah. You bring up a lot of good points. And when we get to their weird couch thing, I hope that you come back about this is not really how these things happen. Okay, so I have two things that I would kind of maybe like your comment on. There's this supposed trope throughout the entire movie that somehow Mila is the fucked up one who's scared of commitment, scared of abandonment, all messed up. They portray her as a normal chick throughout the entire Mm-hmm. movie what is supposed to be so fucked up about her and also what is supposed to be so fucked up about her that's not fucked up about justin timberlake they show her with her friends they show her going to work they show her you know about with her mom what where do we get this did you guys notice I, that i think it was er- like well earlier when they had this plot twist of like them trying you thought it was mila and uh, Kunis and Justin Timberlake meeting, but then it was Adder Sandler and Emma Stone breaking up to each other uh, with them. And then it was uh, Adam Sandler that told Mila and said, I feel like you are, you look totally okay from the outside, but inside you're emotionally damaged. And then she really, I feel like she really takes that seriously afterwards, where it was really just his view of how she was oh. during his time, but really. From the audience, from our side, it feels like she's completely normal. And I think what she then takes from his ex's message was that maybe it's because of her own belief of what true love is supposed to be like and her waiting for a Prince Charming that that somehow uh, indicates that there's something fucked up inside her. Whereas I think many people like us and or who are completely normal, and I think it's a normal (laughs) thing to feel like there's some true love out there, but that word that he she received from his ex, I think just stuck into her brain. It was like, oh, there's something fucked up with me. And okay, let's get to the moment. Is this perhaps supposed to be some sort of climax, some sort of orgasm, as the tag says? The couch scene. (laughs) They're hanging out, having beers, and then what? One thing leads to another. Let's break it down. Tennis match, yep. (laughs) We're going to make sex like playing tennis who wants to go first about this scene can i say something on my mind okay one thing no two things okay two things about this scene i hate having a small talk and all this talk before i'm having sex this is so turned (laughs) off to me like what the hell is with this whole conversation i was getting pissed you know i don't know why but it was bothering me a lot i'm like shut the both of you Mm -hmm. and the other thing um i'm gonna get later to this but do not freaking ever ever i don't care what's going on wear socks i can't wait to talk about the snot the socks and the snocks the sneeze the snocks justin timberlake has a snocks thing but first i thought it was stupid brian if you want to chime in you know all the oh first of all they're sitting on the couch it's like oh what's gonna happen and then they start talking about what if we had sex which is a total throwback to seinfeld if you ask me and then they're like okay maybe we should oh i would love to get laid but i'm so scared of relationships and then they decide to do it and then they have this weird ass conversation (laughs) 
Did you think I was? Did you think I was pretty when you first? <laughs> yep. And then it's like pointing out each other's like what parts of you are beauty, and then and then JT right away is like pointing it to her eyes, and it's like that's something more likely a romantic thing. And it's like you're you're trying to be friends with benefits playing tennis, and you're you keep complimenting her eyes like back again and again, and then it's like. And later on, it's like, there's nothing insecure about you. He, like, you should not feel it. And it's like, okay, that's something you can totally see as a couple in a romantic situation. And I was like, okay, what a way to go to start with your friends with benefits. It's like, it's, yeah. It was yeah. weird. Um, and the whole thing, also, it's Justin Timberlake and Mina, Mila Kunas. They're obviously good looking. So when they're both like, what did you notice about me? What did you notice about me? And I'm lots, like, also, yeah. why are you doing this if you're supposed to be friends? Uh, it was it was strange, mm -hmm. and then even stranger. Why does she have a Bible? <laughs> the Bible app. I was just about to mention <laughs> a Bible app to start with your friends oh. benefits. Way to go! <laughs> On the iPad. Like, yeah, it's like promising. Yeah, whoa, whoa. No, they said like no emotions, just sex. So it's like no, there's no no emotions. It could be like no joy, nothing. Just like you just fuck fuck like robots. There's no emotions. No joy, <laughs> no nothing. It's like even with friends here. with benefits, you would need some joy. Otherwise, why become friends with boyfriends? But there's like no emotions, and then they were like trying to swear on this Bible app. Just... That's what I'm talking about, though. This whole act was forced from the beginning. This is forced. Everything is like friends with benefits. Don't talk about this. Mm -hmm. It's a completely, it's more like on a physical level. It's like you're in a different intimacy. I've never tried to impress my booty cow or like fan mm -hmm. ever. I felt so comfortable, which led to great sex because I was like, I don't have to like act a certain way. But that's like the end point. That was so false. Friends with benefits and randoms. Why are you trying to convince yourself? Don't fall for me. Don't like me so much. No emotions, no emotions, no emotions. Shut up. Just go with it. Relax. Because I, I guess from your experience, what would you say? Would like with friends with benefits, is there a lot more of the sexual component than the actual platonic component in in your own experience? I mean, on experience though, you have to have. I mean, I don't know. Friends with benefits, like it's that weird friendship that has this wild attraction that you can help yourself, but you know mm. you're not for each other like mm -hmm. for a long term or anything. But at the same time, you have this out of control like attraction you're like i just don't put my hands on you and i just like want to have you you know all over me inside me whatever mm. so i didn't get that that's what i'm saying and i've never discussed like no feelings these are things that are kind of silently understood and well, you, know, I mean, you could and talk about it in the episode that i just did that dropped on wednesday we did talk about how actually open communication you know, can be a good thing so that everybody's mm -hmm. on the same page it's like when you start to, I would imagine to, yeah, where if both people are the same page, maybe there's at least, you know, you're in this situation yeah. friends with benefits, or is it different in your experience where you kind of just know it without saying, and you just forms and form into this friends with benefits situation naturally. I know it. We all know what we're looking for. I never had to explain myself so much, uh, friends with benefits in general, like to get a little bit off road, uh, it's a little bit more of a complicated situation because uh, you just have to be prepared that one day this person will meet somebody and yes. So in the episode, there was a couple things about like what makes a proper friends with benefits situation that we talked about first: an underlying established level of trust between the two people because they're friends. I'm not mm -hmm. really sure that Mila and JT necessarily had that. 
but because you would trust that this person is going to be your friend either way. And yes, also that there would be an understanding that it will come to an end, which we will eventually get to. Since we're supposed to be getting tipsy, I would like to refill my drink. How is everyone else feeling? Sounds I good. Gotta refill about to break up. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, let's get back into it. So they have this awkward conversation. What do you like about me? What did you notice about me? Again, thought it was stupid. Doesn't she say that he had a nice ass or something? Or- oh, yeah. Ass is like a bony. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say that one more say that one more time. It's like her ass is like a bony. And then she's like bony? Something like that, a bony. Is that right? What does that mean? Or wait, his ass is like a bony? No, her ass. Like like JT was saying to Mila's, because like Mila was saying, like, you're being too emotionally supportive when he was saying, Oh, there's nothing insecure about you. So he was trying to kind of figure out what the friends with benefits situation would like how you would say it. And I was like, Oh, your ass is like a bony. Like a boner? A boner, probably, yeah. Your ass is I'm not like sure. a boner. That doesn't make sense either. I don't know. It's it's either a pony or boner, whatever it is. But, but, it sounds but me like, yeah, Jamie liked it. It's like, that's that's how it should be. And then that's how they got started with this night of their first sex together. So. And then they switch from this weird conversation about what did you notice about me to FYIs about their sex style. Um, first is that JT leaves his socks on. I guess he can't be bothered oh, to mm-hmm. not be attracted or to not intimacy be- issues. I think something about that. Yeah. That's <laughs> very unattractive. So what he's trying to keep women at arm's length. So he'll fuck them, <laughs> but what they won't come <laughs> back because of the sock thing. <laughs> Hard to interpret. Yeah. Do take your socks off. <laughs> yeah any of my male listeners <laughs> but i love how he's like refusing <laughs> you know, yeah. women aren't gonna come back for seconds i'm sorry it, the sock thing would stick in my mind if i had sex with someone who refused to take their socks off this is wrong man this is freaking wrong it should be a rule against that freaking, like take your freaking socks off it's gross well, and that, mm-hmm. just watching this they show a shower scene where he was with the freaking socks on. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, really? <gasps> that is not normal. In the that shower is- scene. So he had his socks on the shower scene. I didn't re- remember that. That's oh, some sort of yeah. disorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gross too. I'm like, hell no. Brian, what do you think about sex with socks? Sex on. with socks? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that scene has stuck in my mind so much that I might give it a try. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and to see, I'm seeing comfort. Yeah, like how, how much of that scene and memory will stick into the other person, the partner is like it's so it interesting. Stick. It, will it will stick, stick. right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the thing that I think is kind of funny is I always say that taking off your shoes before sex kind of awkward taking off your socks before sex is like the awkwardest thing you know you have to sit there and pretty yeah. much do it yourself the rest of it like taking off someone's pants undoing the shirt hot 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 the it's socks. all within reach and then the socks is like you have to completely you have to be very flexible with your body and moves all parts of your body just to take those two socks around it's like and everyone's and always like just okay waiting. hold on what <laughs> Yeah, it's something like, you know, that's like the taboo moment of I'm getting undressed. Unless you're wearing, mm-hmm. like, you know, some kind of, like, guards and, I don't know, 
Ooh, or something, but that's like a different topic. So the socks, we're going to continue, I think, to come back to that. Not a good look. Even though it's awkward to take off your socks, you still got to do it. You still got to yeah. get over that hurdle. And then what I certainly um, can't avoid is when JT tells her, I, I sneeze after I come. <laughs> yeah. You know? And he was the man with uh, man with words. He did it. <laughs> he sneezed in her face at one point. Like, he, okay, yeah, I why would you? What is this? Some sort of psychosomatic issue that you have that you sneeze after you come? Please, I cannot relate to that. <laughs> There's nothing I can relate to that about. It's like, it's like that's the complete opposite. When I have the least sexual motive or like activities when I think of sneezing. So I, I don't know. JT has his own way of doing things, but I'm not sure I've I can never interpret that. Oh my God. And also a couple times they show him coming and mm -hmm. the only reason that she knows he's coming is because he sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> they don't show him like, oh, you know, oh, you know, I'm almost there. He just kind of, at one point, I think, she was going down on him or something mm -hmm. and he just snapped, sat up and sneezed. Yep. And she's like, oh. That's it. <laughs> you took it like a champ though. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of the reality of this. So <laughs> like, I was like, dang Yeah. And then the part when he was, she was on top of his body is when she was, he was saying, oh, I feel less emasculated. And then he comes right after they did this, whatever, what they call like fireworks. I don't even remember. And then they flipped and then he was like, oh, uh, he didn't sneeze, but he, you could tell that he come. And then she was like, do you feel more manly now? And he was like, yep. No, and she's like, then, then put it top. in. <laughs> oh God, this is so weird. All of it this. Was, but yeah. I love how every step of the way they're so just like, saying everything to each mm -hmm. other like oh i like this or let's try this oh yeah but as though of just a couple wouldn't be communicating sexually it's like oh because they're friends they're going to tell each other what they like and make sure that they get the pleasure oh when he's going down on her that first night and she's like oh a little to the left go down a bit oh no you know to the right yeah okay that's it and i'm like this is how every couple should be having oral sex with the other person giving direction, especially the mm. first time. Why is this? Because they're friends. Yeah. See, but that's normal talk though. It's normal to say like to the left or go in circles or slow down or like make it prefer, but then the other like random chat, I'm like, shut up and like, just get it on. Because when you're like so turned on, who has time to talk? But what, what if someone sings, sings with you when you're like having sex? What, what would your feeling be when someone starts just like starts singing <laughs> like JT did in the movie? <laughs> that was the other whack moment. I'm like, oh my. But what I wanted to ask a burning question. At some point, JT goes into the bathroom claiming he ate too much watermelon. He has to pee. <laughs> yes. Was he <laughs> or having a diarrhea? Uh, I, I think the latter okay. option is more convincing to me. Okay. Can okay. you just say, I definitely want to talk about this. Can you say that full sentence one more time, please? Because that was the next thing on my list. Does he? Goes into the restroom while they're having sex and he's claiming that he ate a lot of watermelon. He has to pee. Then he kind of hides, you know, you hear this sound that when you're having like um, whistling hardcore diarrhea. 
but then he's sitting there so yeah. he's climbing through the whole uh, time that he's just taking a leak and he's peeing so if you're sitting like this and you're doing this were you trying to fold your dick to like going to the freaking like toilet bowl that's my question <laughs> or you're actually dumping like crazy <laughs> And the then way. going nonchalant with your girlfriend. <laughs> your hands not washed. Yeah. Freaking gross, motherfucker. Like, get a grip of yourself. That movie's wrong. It's I'm sorry. Straight I'm out. Yeah. It was so weird. JT goes into the bathroom, doesn't bother to close the door, and is saying that he has to pee, and then starts like yelling because he can't pee <laughs> she's asking him why can't you pee he's saying have you ever tried to pee with the heart on <laughs> and she just <laughs> and then he, he is standing up and i guess he's like can't hold it in place brian hopefully you can shed some light oh on yeah this. Totally. and then you can see him and she's just standing there watching and then he does he turns around and sits on the toilet <laughs> she's like what the hell he says it's easier. Um, Brian, do you want to take over? Uh, the way the, his legs were angled, like there's no way it would have not been a diarrhea. Like the, the legs were angled straight up. It's like 90 degrees. It's like you cannot aim that thing straight and pee into the toilet. There's no way. Like with the way the legs are angled. Also, he said he had a hard on, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like how... It's like no, it's it's the latter option, Desi, the one you mentioned. Yeah, it's straight up diarrhea. Like... <laughs> okay, so Brian, is he saying that it's hard to pee with a boner, or that it's hard to pee after sex? Because wouldn't your boner go down if you're like in the toilet in front of someone? <laughs> <laughs> I would think so, especially with the door open. But I can see why his door is always open, just like at, at his right. job. <laughs> it's like, what is at his job? What was his next to? Mila, his girl, it's like, the door is always open. <laughs> Great point, Brian. I love it. Though. I just I thought of that. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I can see that. My God, the door is always open. <laughs> but nobody would... Oh, I, I feel like so weird. I never really talk like this. So I'm doing it publicly for the first time, for sure. And my friends will never have heard this. No one would take a dump <laughs> in front of someone they're trying to fuck, would they? Or is it because they're friends? And not wash his hands after that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, have I don't know. I, I, benefits. I've never shit it in front of them. I've never no. shot in front of anyone. I don't even exactly. pee in front of people I'm like in a serious relationship with. I'll make sure my hinges are functioning properly and the door is closed. <laughs> the door You're is right, and the water's on. <laughs> Wash your freaking hands. Yeah. So that was weird. And also, okay, Brian, is it really that hard to pee during, after sex? Like, what is the situation, if you don't mind telling us? Yeah. That part I'm not actually, I'm trying to remember. From my past experience. Well, because you don't often, you can, most people can wait until after to go. Uh, yeah, I never had the urge to have to go in the middle, like, as like, a sexual experience. It's just, yeah. it just never came upon to me to do that. So I, I've never had an urge. Mazel tough. Yeah, I have yeah. to say that wouldn't be something that I could relate to. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if anyone has any more thoughts about the peeing scene we can just cut and go back into it because that shit was whack okay <laughs> and then yeah he comes and gets back into bed with her i'm sorry i could not 
have sex with someone who I just heard do number two. Okay. I'd be like, get your butt. (laughs) 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 I guess let's talk about this. What this girl's crazy mom, another trope that I thought was a little played. And also I would have really rather her go through this with her friends. But one of the other times that she's fucking Justin Timberlake in her apartment, her mom lets herself in and, oh, my God, my mom's here. We're naked. Do you guys have any thoughts about this? The The whole mom thing was, I thought, one of the worst parts of the movie, personally. Um, it's I, I do like her character in the movie. What's kind of funny is, first of all, I don't remember her name, but the actress who plays the mom, I'm actually quite mm-hmm. a fan of. I've seen lots of stuff that yeah. she's in. Mm-hmm. What was her name? Patricia, Patricia Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. Um, she was actually a character in uh, Frasier, which used to be my favorite mm. show. I just think she's great. She's just, she plays lots of cool roles. Uh, mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> the, uh, my drink is getting to me. <laughs> um, like She was even <laughs> in House of Cards the last season. Anyways, so I was excited to see her. But what's really interesting is later on, we are going to see Gina Elfman, who played on Dharma and Greg, who is kind of the the same character as she is in real life, which is sex is cool. Like I want my kids to have sex and her and her parents, you know, talk about sex all the time. I thought that was interesting, but probably just me who knows who these two women are. So no, me too. Dharma and Greg. I go. Okay. Yay. I can't wait to talk about Jenna Elfman. And okay. So the mom is there. We get the point. She's been a bad mom. And that must be why Mila Kunis is so messed up. Oh, cause her mom is crazy. And also, this was weird, and I thought actually quite problematic. We figure out that she doesn't know who her dad is, and that even her mom isn't sure who her dad is. And that keeps on coming up through the entire movie. I didn't like that. I also did not like that they constantly refer to her as being kind of racially ambiguous, with her mom saying that her dad is from like a different country each time. I, I thought it was just kind of inappropriate. So. Yeah, I guess some of the jokes that they made, she, her mom made, I, w- I would see why in some scenarios not really appropriate. And know? even she was saying kind of racist stuff too, like Puerto Ricans keep their bananas in, bananas the, fridge. in the fridge. Yeah. But then her mom says her dad's not Puerto Rican. It was just all over the place. Yeah, Greek. I think in the end he was Russian. Coder. Yeah, it was just, it was. Let's talk about the scene Justin and Mila have had, what, a couple of months, a couple of weeks of all this great kind of awkward sex. And they decide <laughs> that they need to end it because Mila, the one who's supposed to be so fucked up, figures out that she would actually like to date again. And what does she say? Like find companionship or partnership, which again, if she's so fucked up, why is she, you know, so self-assured and knows what she wants is how I saw it and it was fairly recent it was like i think they've only been doing this friends with benefits for like a few weeks and then suddenly she's like i'm ready i know what i want that's also one thing that's less convincing to me like how emotionally fucked up are you every single aspect of her in the movie just seems like a lot more normal and ready for than many other people who thinks they're ready so that's the part of me where i'm like i think she knows what she wants that's how friends with benefits work, though. It happens. It does. It's not planned. It doesn't let off slow. It just sometimes you just have to roll with this, and that's the scary part. That if you're not in it for the right reasons, somebody gets burned in a real bad way. I mean, they mm. ended it on 
great terms as we're going to talk about. They even help each other pick up. I just don't understand why they keep on coming back to her being so messed up when I think she might have even been the most emotionally healthy and person with the highest, you know, emotional intelligence maybe in the whole film. I don't know. Do, do you feel like JT played a role, plays a role in that period with him and her having friends with benefits that suddenly she's ready for it? If being in a friends with benefits situation is what influenced her to you learn you champagne is kicking in learn how to use her voice i could see that but i don't think that they played it that way i don't think that we were mm -hmm. meant to take it that way uh i think i have another thing thinking about that like they were trying to like portray her that uh she's trying so hard to be friends with benefits but at the same time i think she was falling for him and this was her protective net no i mean like she's thinking like hey i'll back off and i'll be like fuck that you know i'm a strong woman i'm independent i'll finish that first because i don't want to be the one drooling over and getting hurt even That's that itself it. though i would say put her with more emotional intelligence because that was their agreement and so she yeah. sees maybe that she's catching feels and mm -hmm. so she removes herself from the situation because she knows that moving forward with that is not the agreed upon terms Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially after that same day when they went out and then trying to meet other people and JT was talking to this pretty woman up on the staircase and then you could literally just see Mila Kunis's eyes. There's like all the jealousy. <laughs> Brian, why don't you tell the audience what they go out and do in the park? Well, so basically the two were walking kind of awkwardly next to each other after having sex the night before finished their friends with benefits relationship and they're like we're gonna meet new people now and then jt was like oh i'm gonna talk to this girl right up there i really gotta say this mm -hmm. he goes up to a woman yes. who's standing at the in, on some stairs in central park just awkwardly on the actual stairs <laughs> standing up with a book in her hand yeah what? Was like, that is not a thing that people do <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then he, he goes up there and basically starts talking to, to her. And at the same time, you could see Mila Kunis down there just having awkward facial expressions. But then suddenly, like, JT came, comes down and say, oh, he's going up, up on the stairs to meet his future, future husband. And then suddenly Jamie's uh, face just completely turns relieved. just like, and it started laughing. And huh. right there, you could tell that, that Mila Kunis had feelings for JT, yep. the way he relieved his tension and stress when he knew he realized, oh, that girl has a husband already and they're happily kissing each other. It's a little offensive top. to me that they put her as the one who's catching feels. You know, the woman can't possibly stand this. I guess in a bit it makes sense because she's when she mentions himself as emotionally damaged, she means like the true love with someone. So maybe part of her can feel that connection with JT. But then at the same time, I don't know, it's like she's either trying to deny it or she's like she noticed that. And but what they promised before, she decides to end it and find someone else. Whereas JT is like the one who's not able to commit. So in a way, okay. in that sense, yeah. I feel like it like kind it. of makes sense. Yeah. But then Mila ends up saying, I'm going to find someone else and I'm going to talk to this person, which actually turns into something. This guy, like this, the tree staring guy was like <laughs> looking at the tree <laughs> and yeah. staring there. And then she talks, she basically, she comes up and then they started sparking a conversation there and then chemistry kind of 
kind of see they had a good time and then they started setting up dates together and and slowly as their dates go on like it's it's interesting like mila's first person she wants to share all these with was jt it's like every time they're going on a date with this tree stirring guy it's like she shares it with jt it's like oh yeah. look what we're hold on <laughs> no, i have a couple things that i want your mm-hmm. comments on and desi as well <laughs> okay I did like this guy in the beginning, obviously. I think that's what we're meant to 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 fill. I thought it was really cheesy. I feel like in so many movies, when there's a doctor who's kind of the love interest, he has to be a pediatric doctor. And mm-hmm. I, that annoys me. That is in so many shows and movies. He's a doctor, but he works with kids. Oh, <laughs> you know, that just makes them all the more better. And he says... An oncologist, a cancer doctor, works with children. But they decide to go on a date. And I actually, um, for the male listeners and perhaps Brian, though I think that you do have more game than you believe yourself. (laughs) Than you believe you have. Okay. They go on the first date. So the doctor says, when can I see you again? They've had a great dinner. And then she stands up and she puts Mm -hmm. her hands in front of his eyes and then she I takes like that right yeah, here. I was right like, now. hell yeah, girl. It's all about the present moment. It's like a kind of a joke, but it's like a really pleasant joke, I think. That was yeah. my, one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's like props on to Milo for that. I was like, oh yeah, that's the Well, best. again, this girl has got game. I mean, yeah. so many guys would be like, oh, like how adorable. Desi, could you see yourself doing that on a date? No. If I were to start dating, yeah. And <laughs> as the male, I could, yeah, I could see myself doing that as well. Ooh, Brian, is this going to be your next <laughs> move? going to be cute. I'll try it, and then we'll see how it goes. So I can share the experience, Back and maybe on. the other person watch has watched that movie as well. And it's <laughs> that girl's like, "Oh, great, let's do a podcast together about friends and benefits." You know what? Yeah. I make things happen. Okay, yep. something feels good, I do it. <laughs> they juxtapose. Mila getting on with Dr. Boy with another fucking weird scene with JT on the couch with his hookup, his, his experiment meeting people. The armpit girl, I guess. Let's yeah. talk about this. Oh, this that. woman is purring in his ear, sniffing his armpit. That's when I was, wish I was drunk. I was like watching that scene of, <laughs> I don't know. I've never had experience with someone licking my armpit. Same. I started feeling this taste of deodorant powdering my tongue and and I was like, fuck that shit. And I, yeah. Why do you two think they juxtapose this? She's having this nice, decent experience. Mm -hmm. He's having this insanity in his apartment. And also he never tells her he doesn't like it. He just goes on with it. At one point she's like, what are you thinking? And he goes, he says something like, oh, how great you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the facial expression when you said that he was like oh god this is the only thing i can say right now that's positive there's nothing else in the- right <laughs> that's how i know that- too why doesn't he tell her he's not into the armpit sniffing <laughs> and there's like the chest pounding as well it's like what the heck was that <laughs> yeah it wasn't just armpit stuff she it was, was all in over the ear, place and she was smacking him on the chest yeah smacking and that? at the same time it's like i'm ready to have you meet my parents when as he was smacking on his chest and of course he takes a phone call from his sister and one yeah. thing i want to say about this movie 
all the characters take phone calls at like the most inappropriate times that no one would just let it go to voicemail. <laughs> yeah, I would not pick up that phone call at that time. It's like <laughs> it's the most, the most, I, it was just be so much gossip happening after that with the had a sister. It's like I'm not going to be having you hearing these pounding and blowing up my armpit sounds in the background <laughs> who is oh, sniffing shit. really hard <laughs> Sniff- yeah i mean uh, it's it's kind of like surprising that the sister didn't uh, didn't question any of this in the phone call it's like what's a sniffing about <laughs> mila has a five date rule okay brian would you like to tell us what the five date rule is i think so he she got it i'm pretty sure she gets it from that rom-com earlier in the movie when they were watching this very silly movie and then in that movie which was i think jason siegel and i love jason jones yeah but it was a terrible rom-com in that scene and it was like watching it and then in that (laughs) movie scene i remember him saying or the other rashida jones was like i have a five date rule so i think that's where Mila Kunis okay. got that from that terrible rom-com and she was like, I'm going to take this and I'm also going to have a five-day rule. So that's the place where she and the the, steer, the tree steering guy was like finally making out and then suddenly she's like, this is the fifth date, which is supposed to be that set date that they're supposed to have sex. Well, and she had told him earlier that he want, she yeah. wanted him to know that she had a five-day rule and he, you know, has another great line. He says, though, you're worth waiting for. Desi, what do you think of the five-day rule? Honestly, my opinion, since I've been, um, you know, started being sexually active, to me, it's like, um, you can kick ass, you can be super amazing female, and um, you don't portray yourself like the whatever, but mm-hmm. if I'm feeling it, and if it's an amazing moment, I'll go for it. It can be a month, it can be a couple hours, I don't know. <laughs> awesome, I love yeah, it. there, use that moment and jump it, because this is what I'm looking for. I want this to be amazing <laughs> and not staged. Mm-hmm. I want this to be rehearsed. My body and my emotions are working right now. Yeah. Probably. Embracing the unknown. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know it. And that's like, it's great to just kind of have it, keep it as unknown. If it's supposed to have that chemistry in two hours or two months. I right? love that. The only thing I would say is I'm like, that's how you are. I will just say that she knew what she wanted and what her boundary was in the situation. And that was five dates. And again, if she's so messed up and has such little emotional intelligence, why would she know what her boundary was and then be willing to execute it and ready to execute it? This is someone who is so self-assured, who has knows her boundaries, knows what she wants. So in this, like, you know, some of, some of us want to just go with what, how we feel, which is great. And she had this boundary that she wanted to keep. And mm-hmm. he told her you're worth waiting for, but Brian, what's What ends up happening? Basically, he's like, okay, I'll play along with this. Did you guys see that coming? Desi, I would love to see what you thought. I thought that he was going to become more involved in the plot and that he and Justin, that it was going to become some sort of love triangle. I didn't think that they were playing him off to be some sort of potential douche. And what happens is after the five dates, they sleep together for some reason on the couch which mm-hmm. I didn't understand. It was so special to her. Oh, I guess Mila Kunis was insecure about her body that she mentioned earlier, like with JT, because they were like friends. So she's like, I don't need to be insecure with my body. So then they go to the room with the lights on. But then on the couch, she's like, oh, he he's might be the actual serious partner for me. So I want, I, I'm more insecure about my body. So we'll just keep the lights dimmed and dark on the sofa. 
that could be the reason why whereas jt and mila kunis they were on the bed because she's like i don't care the lights are on it's like we're just friends but this guy Mm -hmm. this this oncologist is like oh they could be turned into something actually seemed like kind of sweet you know she they fell asleep together and what happens this really annoyed me okay they have sex it's cute and everything jt calls her in the morning she takes the call even though she's she's having this intimate moment with this man who she had five dates with she picks up the phone it's him she jumps out of the couch puts on her clothes goes into the hallway goes downstairs to take this call with jt did anyone find that weird or annoying that she's actually going to leave this guy go all the way outside just to have this chat like oh how are you what's up i'll go for that but i probably won't go on the street because i won't care what anybody else you think hearing me talking to him or her whatever you know the situation is right and then her mom was in her bed that was random as yeah so she's on the street talking with jt and he's telling her this random shit like does anyone even remember why he called her it was just like some no, shit i don't i don't I think know why he called her either one but it's like the first thing she thought of is okay i'm gonna share all this with jt like if i was the other guy who was awake yeah it's not the most comfortable thing i guess i feel like it's just like she knows what she wants but at the same time she doesn't she's like her heart is still kind of leaned towards with her connection with JT. Mm. But it could also be just a pl- complete friend, platonic friendship thing. I don't know. I thought that's how they were playing it off. But then when you see Doctor opening his eyes, mm-hmm. I was thinking he's turned off because she's talking to this guy. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that he's looking for his opportunity to totally ditch her. And so she's talking to JT. She turns around and he is bailing out of the apartment it was hilarious he's and still in- buckling his shirt he's like he's not even done buckling <laughs> he <laughs> um, yeah, rushed. Like- it's like he's rushing out and she's still buckling so i gotta tie all the, the shirt together he's like- not even done putting his shirt on and he is <laughs> audi 5000 that's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious I- and Desi, what happens next? It was weird because within the conversation drama with JT and this dude like douche like getting up and trying to leave, she managed to buy coffee. She had two coffees in her hands. And when she got pissed that she caught him in act of leaving and trying to ditch her, she threw the coffee out, which kind of pissed me off because I love coffee and I'm like, I'll just have double coffee. In the beginning of the movie, she throws away um Adam. Uh, whatever she throws away yeah the sandwich the sandwich slapped it yeah and now she's burned again and so she throws away the coffee Mm -hmm. a lot of food waste here that's (laughs) like like she would burn or throw the sandwich and she would blink the same time whenever she curses oh my god (laughs) okay so long story short she burns her or i was surprised personally i guess that was one good thing about the plot i didn't see that coming and then she goes upstairs and her mom is ditched her as well and what does she do calls justin and he says yeah come to la and meet my family I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. I guess yeah. As, as a platonic friend, if it's if they were true platonic friends, it's not as weird. Uh, and they, I guess, they kind of were and kind of not. But then, in an actual friends with benefits situation, would you ever consider if you have a friends with benefits to just take take them across the other side of the no. coast and meet your parents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he buys I don't know. her a ticket, and I have to say, just from a consent standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, that annoyed me. She said no, and he bought her a ticket anyway. Yeah. 
I wouldn't do that in real life, but I can see it's a movie scene, I guess. I, I, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And so he buys her a ticket with his points and somehow they still end up sitting together. That's not how it works. I know from personal experience and mm. they, they go to LA and in pops Dharma slash Jenna Elfman. I love Jenna. I liked her in Dharma and Greg. But otherwise, I don't know. I've never know seen her. that one. Mm -hmm. It's a really cute sitcom from the really? early 2000s. It's got <laughs> this really cute premise. So, Dharma Finkelstein, her parents are hippies. She's a hippie too. All open love and free love and uh, you know, just a stereotypical t hippie. She falls in love with Greg who is a lawyer who comes from old money and they're just really different and they fall in love and get married actually on their first date. And it's just this cute thing, like seeing all the families not get along, get along. I think it's an adorable show. It only lasted three seasons, but the first season, actually, they won a, a couple Grammys. Is that the TV one? Grammys? They won some TV awards mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for great cast, great everything. And then it kind of went downhill. And then just randomly, one thing about Dharma and Greg is they didn't give any closure to the fans. They just got to one the end of one of the seasons and then they just didn't make a, another season. It was really strange, but the yep. show was great. Like I said, it won awards. I actually still watch it as kind of, you know, like this feel good when I'm getting ready for bed in the background show. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, I haven't known very many things that Jenna Elfman has done, but he, they go to L.A. and boom, she's there and uh, she's the sister. And the situation is Jenna Elfman, the dad with Alzheimer's and this Creepy ass little boy are living mm -hmm. there together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy ass magician that always fucks up in the end, but it was a cute scene. I, I mean, it's just kind of. <laughs> when he set himself on fire, I was like, <laughs> yeah. And getting himself all wet when he was pouring coffee, but it was, I get it. <laughs> and forgetting, forgetting his sword when he was supposed to kind of chat uh, Mila Kunis up. With, oh, so yeah. dad has memory loss and they all mm -hmm. just start hanging out. You know, Mila becomes a part of the family. And, there's, and uh, Jenna Elfman apparently really likes uh, likes Mila Kunis, you can tell in yeah. the scene. It's like, oh, I can totally see my brother and her having chemistry. She's like the one that's really pushing for it. Mm -hmm. And then and then JT's the one who's constantly trying to convince his sister, like, we're not together. I wanted to ask you guys, so at one point the family goes to dinner and they're having like this romantic dance and that stood out to me, like, do friends have romantic dance with each other? Like something was obviously going to happen. Romantic dance scene was that after the dinner? <laughs> yeah, because they they had a they had their dinner and then mm -hmm. I remember they were dancing, slow dancing. Well, let's skip that and let's go to the actual dance scene of the movie, if not this part. Crisscross will make you dance, dance. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say this was so weird. So for whatever reason. Justin goes into Mila's room and it's just like, oh, let's hang out. And she, you know, doesn't think it's a good idea. He tries to have sex with her. 
Right? <laughs> he says, oh, you cracked your, your head earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly he took, he takes that as an indication that she wants sex when really it was just a long flight from New York to LA. And she was like, you can't just assume that, that I want sex because I cracked my head. And then it just became quite awkward at the time. It was like, he just completely assumes when she was still in a vulnerable place after that kind of a short encounter with their tree stirring man, but still was kind of hurt. And then she was like, right now, I don't want sex. I want emotional support. And he was like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> she just <laughs> she was about to just leave the room. And she was like, I can still use your emotional support as a friend. That Yeah, that was kind of already was a kickstart of slowly of that turning point. Well, but then I obviously- mean, They're in the bedroom. I mean, yeah, this is so stupid. What does he do? He turns on Chris Cross. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes and he turns and he like jumps around and starts singing to it and like dancing to it in front of her. That was pretty <laughs> and awkward. He, and it, oh my god, it was. Thank you, Brian. And he knows all of the words and he's mm -hmm. getting in her face like <laughs> and acting it out and then she gets up and they both like start dancing jumping up and down with that music yeah okay in my notes okay first of all yes so awkward justin timberlake is an actual performer right and he's from mm -hmm. a band who dances and sings and it was the cringiest man dancing and singing <laughs> ever <laughs> yeah it was a little hard to watch but at the same time it was like they were both awkward at the same time dancing on up and off the bed it was like okay well, that's what i said like do friends yeah. do this like standing in the bedroom just dancing in front of each other i'm like, saying uh, yeah hmm. i'm bunny well then they start playing this game are they playing tag what is it where they they both are bending down and then like scaring each, trying to scare each other? Oh uh, yeah, I didn't quite know what that game was Me that they're playing. <laughs> right. They're just so doing they're doing friends thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is what mean. friends do. So like Mila would hide would kneel down before the bed, and Justin would be walking around, and then she would like jump up and go blah as though he didn't know she was there or something. I I uh, didn't know what this game was. Sound like that was a good acid trip. And, and acid acid trip. trip. <laughs> I mean, they did not I, show the that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I couldn't think of another explanation. Yeah, acid that trip. would be a fun thing to do on acid. I mm -hmm. didn't remember them <laughs> dropping it. I don't know. <laughs> Though <laughs> that would also have made the Justin crisscross <laughs> dance a little better too. Then they both get drunk, and what's gonna happen? That's like the way they kiss and just everything. It just felt different. It's like okay, there's definitely romantic chemistry yep. there, and this is not doesn't seem like it's turning into friends with benefits yeah well what was kind of cringy too is that they portrayed her as being so drunk and like she's the one who wants it i just feel like they didn't need to play up the drinking thing so much mm -hmm. but then when they actually get into it it's a lovely scene and it's much more passionate and heartfelt and affectionate mm -hmm. than the previous scenes with him sneezing in her face <laughs> 
you. And it's a lot more natural later on. And and the way the chemistry they had, I feel like it's really kind of meant to be both platonic and romantic. So when they were trying to act like they're just platonic and having no emotions while having sex, it just felt really cinematic. And then later <laughs> on, you feel like that's really how the two the way they interact with each other, that's really how it's supposed to be for them. And maybe that's how they felt all along, in a way? Yeah, I think they were trying to kind of suppress that, and then later on, there's just like, just letting that natural instinct of them out. Yeah, it was actually a pretty scene. I liked how it was filmed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then Justin goes out of the room, Jenna Elfman sees them. So then, the Hollywood sign scene. Mm. Does anyone want to give some background? It was amazing. He climbed on all these New York buildings. He stayed there, like, not tripping about anything for, like, a while, laying down with her, you know, jumping around. And now he's at the sign, and he's like, oh, fear of heights. But the favorite moment was him flying with the little warm yeah. blanket on the helicopter. Was it called the foil blanket <laughs> or something? And then, and then it was broadcasted on TV, and his sister just had... All the laughter. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens? Mila convinces him to climb the Hollywood sign. They're not supposed to. She goes over it anyways. Oh, she's such a rebel. And they go and they sit in one of the O's. Of Mm. course, the cops come trying (laughs) because they're not supposed to be up there. (laughs) The helicopter's (laughs) were right in front of them, yes. (laughs) And she decides to evade the police, even though they're in a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) And so she... Helicopters too. She gets away. She did get away. Yeah. She. They show her just like scurrying, and there's like oh. (laughs) But because he's so randomly scared of heights, (laughs) probably because she thought he thought, oh, this is 92 feet. I can't jump off this oak. Just like 92 degrees, which that was a bad. It was like because he was displaying his math skills. It was like oh, three times twelve. That's kind of what I was like. I know how high it is. Yeah, I was like oh, maybe three times twelve is ninety-two, and so he's might he might feel like oh, if I jump off from a ninety-two feet, I'm gonna die. So I'm just gonna (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna wait till this helicopter wraps me up. He can't just see. He can't see how how. No, but he can't. He's like this is ninety-two feet. I'm dying. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so he's frozen with fear because he thinks it's 92 feet even though she just like bounces down she's like (laughs) okay i understand why they had him start stuttering but it was kind of awkward so (laughs) she is running away from the helicopter and he starts stuttering i can't can't you know (laughs) was it was so weird and i was thinking was i know they said that he had a stutter when he was little but they really honed in on him as he started stuttering like two or three times he's Mm. sitting there can't get his words out i want to know what you guys think was that supposed to be funny or was that supposed to be touching because it was so random and they didn't really talk about it afterward. He's just looking down at her, <laughs> stuttering. Good observation, because I, yeah. I think it was meant to be kind of in between. Okay. Like, kind of funny, but at the same time, kind of like touchy, like mm. showing like something from his childhood. Like, but they never even talked that, about it. Like, it was so random that I didn't even catch it at it first. It was stupid. At the time. 
then there was nothing to no other plots to really back that up it's just like i'm just gonna throw the script is throwing something about oh it's like yeah he used to have a stutter now he's showing it in front of a helicopter and then and then nothing after that <laughs> this whole movie sounds random if you ask me mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of randomness okay so who wants to talk about what happens next with his foiled jacket <laughs> i can't help be myself i can I mean, I'm <laughs> so biased towards him. And then he's seeing this wacko freaking flying with that like jacket. And it's like a bizarre situation. His sister's sitting there and like, I don't know. It was just weird, but I just love the scene that he's flying with the jacket. That made my whole day. <laughs> that and Woody, uh, and, uh, Woody Harrelson riding in a boat. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, he's like, like jumping, jumping right off the bridge and then someone yeah, is in his boat. <laughs> 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 I, the way he jumped, there's no way who would have not been wet. It was like, <laughs> okay, hold on, you guys. It was like completely dry after that. This jet jump. <laughs> okay, so they showed Justin Timberlake for some reason in a metal jacket or a foil jacket. What? Because he had gone into shock. And they're sitting there with him on the news and he's yeah. on the news flying, like holding onto a rope in a foil jacket. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, turn it off. You know, like, I don't want to see this. <laughs> Let's talk about Mila Kunis in the box and what happens after we see JT in the foil coat, which nobody mm -hmm. seems to think is really that crazy. Um, Brian, do you want to tell us about Justin and Janet Elfman and their little yeah. chat? Yeah. So basically that's when like, that was right after the scene, right? When they saw him in a foil blanket on the TV and then, <laughs> and then Kunis was just like lying in this box. And then this, this little kid was like, oh, I forgot my sword. I have to go get it. As For like usual, 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like, you just, you just disappeared after that. So she was in this box, which was like right next to the living room. And then uh, JT's sister and him comes out and starts talking about friends with benefits having sex. What's that all about? Like his sister was just full of curiosity. And then he's trying really hard to just convince her like, yeah, that's that's how like that's how we feel about each other. I don't see her that way. And but his sister is like that all the chemistry you've had and you've never brought an actually girlfriend back to see your families like you can't have convinced me that you guys are just being friends and while peeking to each other's room the night before. So then I think he was just trying really hard to convince her like and he's just started flashing out where I feel like if you are guys are friends you should even if you guys aren't partners like as a friend you shouldn't say anything like that. He said like she was so mentally fucked up like I I cannot I can never see myself dating her cuz she's just so damaged. And then that I can I can totally like if I was in Milos Kunis's shoes I was like I'm I'm going to go I'm going to pack well, my bags. One of the weird things that made me laugh so hard about this movie, JT sits and tells Jenna that she's so fucked up in the head. I couldn't possibly be with her. And he's like, eh. and then, you know, they part ways and then they cut to Mila Kunis in this purple box, yeah. just laying there. <laughs> I forgot that the brother had even come in with the sword or the little creepy kid. She is just chilling in this box, listening to this whole thing. She was chilling in this box for so long that you forget that the little creepy kid was ever even there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I'm going to get my sword. And then she probably went back on into his boat. And I was like, why? How did she end up in the box? 
And then when she hears everything, this is when she decides to let herself Go out of the that. box mm-hmm. <laughs> and just goes back to her room. <laughs> what happens? She gets pissed off and she goes back understandably. To yeah, I wouldn't want to stay there with people who are talking shit about me. Yeah, very understandably. I feel like even as a friend, like as a friend, you get hurt from hearing things like that. And I, I just, I don't know how. JT would see like I feel like they had good chemistry when they were in LA like I don't see how JT would see her as mentally fucked up it's like the chemistry they had I thought was good and there's nothing really about her that would make you think that way I I feel like if you really were to compare the two JT is the one who's clearly not being able to commit to anything and not be able to connect emotionally when you see them talking side by side on the Hollywood sign and she seems completely natural. She's like, uh, like she's able to connect emotionally, but he's like the one shutting off and it's like, Oh, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about that. It never came up between them that she was fucked up in the head and that for the rest of the movie, that's like kind of the thing. It didn't feel as natural because like, she just seemed put together overall. I feel like who wants to walk us through the next weird um, period in this friends with benefits thing. Well, besides uh, Woody Harrelson jumping about like a freaking... (laughs) Okay, actually, let's just go with this. I mean, he was like catching his boat going somewhere because he was trying to avoid traffic. That was a completely like New York Spider-Man part of the movie. That wasn't even... I didn't see any connection with that movie. But anyway, what happens in New York is like... She's just like seeing that um, unfortunately she's fallen for him. And now she's pissed because he hurt her. Mm. He crossed big time. I was getting pissed listening to him, talking to his sister. I'm like, you don't mm-hmm. even go there. And like, I agree with you guys that she's portrayed. So like the little poor, like mentally lost female, but at the same time, she's the strong one. She knows what she wants and she's going for it all the wrong ways. Sometimes it seems like, but, um, you know, she's displaying so much more security than him. And uh, he looks like the awkward guy that's trying to force it be emotionless that's how i'm sorry if you call someone even a couple times and they don't answer i mean he's basically harassing her yeah and then like this whole play thing like he was afraid of heights he was carried with a freaking foil blanket from a helicopter uh from the hollywood sign but he climbs the freaking building on a very top and he's trying to talk to her all calm it doesn't work like this with uh people that have phobia of heights i just get Mm. Yeah, and no. it was like pretty tiny, small, like it was fairly small on the rooftop. It's like, is there yeah. isn't that much railing or anything. So I couldn't yeah. do that. I wouldn't want to go up there. No, mm-hmm. I'm not even really like scared of heights person, but I'd be uncomfortable. Just as a normal person. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just a yes. normal person. Jade, though, he's surprised that when they were talking on the roof and she was getting teary and she was like, you know, finally being like, I'm just going to open myself in front of you. Fuck you. I like you. And that's it. And he was looking at her kind of like trying to play it out. Like, what is that behavior, you know? Like you said, everything's going to be just like purely physical and we can't have feelings. These were euros. You wanted that. Every single time he opened his mouth, I was like, shove me, I want to choke you. Like that was so wrong. And I hated him. Like I severely hated him. I don't know why. She's trying to open up. You're feeling this for her too. But your jerk mouth is just kicking in so hardcore that you just can't help yourself. Well, being also because he's harassing her. So why is he putting this all on her when he's the one trying exactly. so hard to 
keep it going and just like making her life kind of miserable. I mean, they showed him calling her like 10 times a day. And at the same time, he's the one who's like acting like she is wrong when they then later on meet again from like, like job reasons. I think when she was like considering another job, like if he were to leave his current job within a year, then, then she gets, she doesn't get a bonus. So then she has to meet him, has to meet JT. And then like JT was the one who was trying to reach out. And then he ended up lashing out to her. And I was like, why are you doing this? If you're, if you're wanting to fix things, why are you then coming back and lashing out to her when you're the one who said all these hurtful words? And obviously when he said these, he didn't know that she was in that box. He didn't know she heard any of this. <laughs> so he has no clue. He was, he was like, why are you, why are you trying to avoid me like he so he literally doesn't know and then later on on the rooftop is when she then brought brings up and and use the exact same words that he uses to kind of give him a hint of of what he says then he was like oh i fucked up Mm. but then after he hears that he still when they meet after that he still blames her for whatever reason for not wanting to be friends or something it just felt a bit childish it's like if you want to repair and fix things and you know you are the one who mention these words that were hurtful why are you now trying to play the victim it didn't make sense to me (laughs) i loved your insights so much brian he's trying to tell her on the balcony that what's wrong with you like and then he says i brought you home i brought you to la to meet my family i don't get this what is he saying exactly that he actually wanted a relationship with her he was just all over the place mind fuck central that's what I'm saying. Mindfuck exactly is the word because he was acting like he wants her. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to bring things to the next level of dating and he's feeling her close and all that. And at the same time, he's, he's just pushing everything away in the most mm-hmm. horrible thing he can do it. Very disrespectful, very childish, very mature, very like, mm-hmm. I have issues, you know, and I need to see my therapist. But it's like, he's trying to tell her, I, I, like, I'm nobody without you. I really want you in my life more than a friend. But at the same time, he's like, back off back off or i guess in that case he maybe internally he knows that he sees her differently and and it's she's someone who's special to him but at the same time because of his own emotional unavailability he's pushing her off and then later on they use richard jenkins who plays his jt's father to try to bring out his vulnerability of his character let's go to the weird ass shit with his dad okay this was so weird. Let's just start. The dad has not just the initial phases of Alzheimer's, but he's getting there. I mean, he's losing his memory every few minutes or so. But despite all of that, the dad is being flown alone from L.A. to New York City. <laughs> exactly. What <laughs> in the world? Okay. Oh, man. He is so... <laughs> into his disease that he's taking off his pants and can't walk around in a restaurant (laughs) without falling down and needs like pretty much around the clock care. But they put him on a plane because Jenna Elfman is taking creepy kid to magic camp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so instead of getting a nurse or a friend, they have to fly the dad to New York so Justin Timberlake can take care of him for a couple days. And Justin couldn't even remember. He kept on asking what time is he coming for sure. Oh, yeah. Another display of his wonderful mathematical skills. 
whatever the answer he gave, he was like, oh, it's like 30, like 30 <laughs> And his sister just plays along. Yeah, I'll see you 30, I'll talk to you 36 hours later. <laughs> I mean, come on now. And then what was that a creepy restaurant they were eating in? Looked like a oh, airport okay, so, restaurant. Oh, okay. yeah. Why are they in an airport restaurant? The dad <laughs> gets off the plane and mm-hmm. he's in a wheelchair. Like, why? This isn't a th- like. He has Alzheimer's. But the Justin is like way outside. Doesn't even like go to the gate. It was like the the father just shows up right in the restaurant, and there was supposed to be like a really long line that you have to wait. And he's like, I'm just gonna sit down without pants, which I get it. I mean, it's he has Alzheimer's. But then he comes, his son JT comes, and he's like. He takes his pants off and sits down. And I'm like, in that situation where you don't have a reservation and you take your pants off, in the real reality, you're gonna securities are gonna come. <laughs> but it's a movie I, it's, scene, so it's like I, I, they just why? let them get away with that. I know, I know he's like trying to show like father and son love, and it's like it's a little bit touching. I get that. But it's like Was really? it touching? <laughs> if he lives in Manhattan, why is he taking his dad to a airport restaurant yeah and the dad is okay (laughs) enough to travel from la to new york but can't be trusted enough to wait in line for a restaurant well who knows what happens during the all of a sudden and then guys remember like Mm. on a way from the restaurant they were like riding in a cab and all of a sudden they go and he picks them up in a boat as a taxi oh my god okay so they're going home in a cab together normal Thing that you do in Manhattan. Why did they call Woody Harrelson? To pick him up in a boat to avoid traffic. Oh, yeah, to avoid traffic. So, because Woody Harrelson has his boat and it's like, oh, we're going to avoid all this traffic. And it just jumped on his boat. That's not how it works at all. <laughs> it's not. I don't think so. <laughs> That's the only boat on the Hus- whatever, Huston River, whatever. It's like the only boat there. It's like only Woody Harrison owns that boat. <laughs> Everyone else has to be stuck in traffic. But oh, I'm Woody Harrison. What? I got this one little boat <laughs> in the middle of Hudson And Hudson he was River. out there, just him. <laughs> just him, just that one boat. Yeah. Woody Harrison always wears this red jacket on a boat. Like, I don't know, it just looked like a creepy little man jumping around. Did J- JT and the dad jump into the boat? I don't remember this. No, I, I think... I, I, I they can't. don't show what they're doing. You can yeah. have imagination. So I would have to imagine I remembered it had they jumped. Okay, and then they get the dad, they have a heart-to-heart. At what point did they run into Sean White again? I really want mm-hmm. to touch on this. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Brian, do you remember where it was yeah. in all of this dad, boat, Alzheimer's insanity that they ran into Sean White again? I think it was, absolutely, it was after they had this dinner at this airport with like, like a father-son thing but basically after that and they, they went to the baggage claim area and Sean White shows up of course that I have to figure <laughs> out why he was so pissed earlier on so it's like he comes and then he bumps into Richard Jenkins and then he was like I'm so sorry I'll, I'll pick up the luggage for you and he's like super nice to his dad and then he turns his body and bumps into JT and he was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And he starts lashing out again, whatever. He's just lashing out all kinds of stuff to JT. And then, of, of course, I mean, as you would be like, well, what's the matter with you? Like, what's wrong with me? And then and then you get to understand it was basically just him being bitter and salty. He was like, oh, you're you're with you're with Jamie. And then like, why yeah. are you with her? Mila Kunis, whereas I'm not just like just being bitter about that. It's just no, yeah. no, no. 
Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. said he's been trying to get Jamie to Poundville. <laughs> okay. He says, I mean, tra- I've been trying to take her to Poundville for the last three years. Dang. Poundville? <laughs> yeah. Poundville. He's I've never heard this. Uh, this is a new term. I have no idea. It was just means. so gross. It is. All right. So we're going to get to the wrap-up that every rom-com comes to. I don't know if it's this strange, but who wants to walk us through the final scene? So basically, before going to that, I think basically his his way of changing his mind was at the restaurant with his dad, and his dad without was pants. trying to... Yeah, without pants, both of them, having their pants <laughs> off in like a heavily public place in, the, in New York City uh, airport. And then like his dad starts... Because he has Alzheimer's, he saw like a random woman. I was like calling a name, and then JT was like, "Who's Diddy? Or who's this person?" And then he starts explaining that this was the love of his life, and he just let them let let her go, being too proud to express his feelings. So like kind of using that way of his father's past to like to tie into his reality of how he fucks up with Mila Kunis and then he's like oh okay I got to do something to fix it it was like just like that that's the moment where he decides to 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 really fix things so that's how he then comes like decides to somehow meet Mila Kunis back at Grand Central Station yeah Grand Central and Station this man has a lot of access and resources oh and yeah connections I mean he's a GQ art director I guess <laughs> so he gets all these people and to do another like the movie ending scene of a flash mob and then suddenly that's how they bump into each other the flash mob playing the exact uh, same songs that JT sang earlier when they were having sex <laughs> and it was, just it so was weird. third eye blind or it wasn't third, third eye, eye blind yeah or... something like that <laughs> and then that's how they ended up like basically confessing their feelings and what went wrong and it's like oh we're, we're both emotionally damaged who who isn't and yeah I, I feel like I guess everyone's emotionally damaged in, in one way or another. And it's just like whether accept I, someone's package or not. And I feel like with their situation, it's workable. Like some some situations yeah. when you both are emotionally damaged, I would say at least the movie's trying to portray them as a really high chemistry couple. Yeah, and they have I feel a foundation. Like, yeah, like the problems that they had, I feel like was something that's repairable if they just opened their feelings up. What JT had basically he wasn't able to really open up his feelings earlier with Mila Kunis. And then he realized the real way of actually connecting is basically uh, them trying to open up their feelings, which Mila Kunis was trying to do with him. I think he's affected by how he sees his father's marriage, how that went because of the divorce. And he's just worried about himself opening up and fucking things up. But then he realized to really solve something, to to not let someone go who's really has such a good, wonderful chemistry and compatibility with you, you have to, in some ways, open up some of your feelings and let them know how you feel. And that's exactly what they did at the stair step. She happens to be at Grand Central Station. Her mom happens to be there. She says, look to the side. Justin Timberlake has planned this huge flash mob. I'm sorry, why were flash mobs? Like, people were going nuts over flash mobs during this time. Yeah, and Jesus. it was at Times Square as flash mob. But, uh, well, that was earlier in the movie. Yeah, and so they, put, they took all the people from Times Square, gathered everyone around, started a text chain, I suppose, got everyone to be at Grand Central Station, put on a flash mob so he can just ask her to go out. I mean... Why did you need to do all of this? I actually, (laughs) 
have to like all he did was ask her on a first date. I have to say Pretty though, much. when he was saying, I want you to be my best friend again, I kind of thought there was gonna be this last minute plot twist where instead of them hooking up as a couple, they were just gonna go back to being friends. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was wrong, but they go off into the sunset, go on their first date. Start having sex on the table at the cafe. Yeah, um, letting waiters to do all the cleaning after that. Yeah. yeah. Just like reminiscing on having sex on a table, hopefully without the number two happening afterwards. Or <laughs> 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 eat of the waiters and cleaning it up. Yeah. He used to so, taking his pants at tables, so he's a pro at that, I guess. Right. If he's going to take his pants off in a restaurant, maybe that he's that's the next move going to the going to the bathroom as i like to say (laughs) and they play the exact same i think so hey sister like they played the exact same movie in the end when they were trying to ironically trash that rom-com movie they were both watching on the sofa which played the exact same song and then they were trying to show that they're they're not they're not a traditional rom-com movie trying to kind of like ironically portray the traditional ones and in the end they played exactly how like the typical rom-com movies are like i'm like are they i guess they were just trying to make fun of it but shown they're yeah. still in that like classic kind of meta. genre i think yeah. it's definitely intentional but i just don't know whether it really worked out that way i mean it just seemed like it was making fun of itself i Probably. really want to mention one last thing before we say just i don't know last thoughts about it i just wanted to give like a shout out to jason siegel i think you're adorable and fun and mm-hmm. i the character marshall still has a little place in my heart um i wouldn't say that this movie has a place in my heart i i think this was really fun to talk about desi do you have any last thoughts about the film in general I would love to hang out with Woody Harrelson and Sean White on a boat getting drunk if I was in that movie and talking shit about the two fighters. You can have Patricia Clarkson. (laughs) There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hanging out with Patricia Clarkson. I think she seems Uh, cool. I like her look too. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, for me, I've, like I said earlier in the beginning, like if people are actually going in, it's like, oh, what is Friends with Benefits about in this movie? I was like, yeah, don't take this as, <laughs> that seriously. I don't, I don't think that's how it works. Like, do you want to actually know, probably find out other ways, like people's actual stories than the movie, uh, which in most cases, I guess, it's really hard to just take, st- like, take what happens in the movie and say, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. And oh, then- please don't. But yeah, if it's like something you just want to have fun with watching, and on a Friday night or something. Yeah, why, why not? I, I personally enjoyed it. It's really cinematic in a way. It's like, it's definitely not how a chemistry would typically work in real life, but... Okay. In my opinion, to experience what Friends with Benefits is, you have to do it on your own. There's not one same situation for any of the Friends with Benefits. They all roll different ways. If it happens, then you really find out what's going on. And you yeah. have the story, the way it unfolds. It's a very unpredictable situation. Mm-hmm. It's not all that miserable, and like people describe it as something like bound to fail. Not always, but no, not at all. In fact, please, everyone, go and look at the the previous episode. I did it with a friend of mine who has still several friends with benefits situations. She's been doing this for years and years. She has great camaraderie with everyone. She's had lots of great experiences with this. If you really want to know how this works and how it can work for you, go listen to that episode before or after you listen to this. And for the reality of how to Mm -hmm. make this work, how to get a lot out of it, how to remain friends, how to get the benefits, how to navigate in and out of it. Because this is a real thing. I don't think that the movie portrayed it 
the no. way that it actually oh, plays no. out. There's lots of potential for <laughs> this to be actually quite an expansive experience between two people. Yeah. And I think there could be many situations like this is one, I mean, both people being either emotionally damaged or avail unavailable in real life. I do think it's a situation that could work out well, just not the way they portrayed it. But there are other situations like if you're too toned in and one specific person and it arouses insecurity of, of yourself, like being able to open up your options to other people that way and not feel like you're so toned into one person could help build up your security within yourself and not feel as insecure or like people who are really busy either with jobs or kids or there's just so many scenarios that it could work well and of course there are many scenarios like that might not work as well like yeah. it's, there's so many dynamics and this is one of the many dynamics that could happen but i think yeah like what desi says like you until you experience it everyone's experience differs and will come up with their own story and it's an awesome experience by the way yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to be biased, but it's no matter how it ends. No, Laura yeah. said as but. well, she loves the fact that she was open to friends with benefits situation because it has brought so much to her life and color to like, I guess, the variety of ways that she can connect with people. She had mostly good things to say about it. So, yeah, obviously it's a movie. Obviously it's a rom-com. It had to end this way, but it doesn't have to be so complicated. It doesn't have to be no. this like, will we mm -hmm. turn into a couple? It can just be two people connecting and it's okay if it runs its course and it, it comes to an end. And I think there's healthier ways to do it than these two did. It was funny. I probably won't watch it again, but I loved having the two of you on. Desi, thank you, you so much. Brian, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would look forward to the next one if you guys are down. And thank Yay. you to everyone who tuned in. I will be doing a lot of tipsy episodes in the future. So everyone stay tuned. As I think some people are aware, I will have a big announcement about the show coming up. So keep your eyes on this space. If you have an idea or want me to cover a certain movie or a certain topic, DM me, email me. All the information is in the show notes. I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have a friends with benefits situation story that you would like to share, totally hit me up. If you have a question about it, anything I want to hear from my audience, I am enjoying rambling on because of this French 75. And if you are going through a breakup, I am wishing you, wait, if you are going through a breakup, <laughs> if you follow the show because you are going through a breakup, I am sending you so much strength for the week ahead. See you next time. Bye. Adios. Bye. <laughs>